Hello, everyone. Welcome to the American Experiment podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Catherine Hinderocker, joined by John Hinderocker and Jenna Stocker. Thanks for joining us, you guys. And happy Veterans Day. Yes, happy Veterans Day. Uh, and by the way, tomorrow. by the way, you know, th- this is this is typical of how holidays have been, you know, kind of corrupted. So so Veterans Day is actually tomorrow. Isn't that yes, right, Jen? Uh, it's ab- November ab- 11. Yes. And in England, for example, they've stuck to that. You know, it's November 11. And they they call it what? Remembrance Remem- Day. Remembrance you know, it started after the First World War, as ours did. Um, well, it was Armistice Day. Yeah, the, yeah, um, that's right. It was Armistice Day. And they call it now Remembrance Day. We call it Veterans Day. But you know, as in America, it's all about it's all about the day off. You know, and so and so Veterans Day is in some by some people being celebrated today on the calendar. You know, you'll say, oh yeah, Veterans Day, but the actual Veterans Day is tomorrow, right? Yes, the uh, it's mm-hmm. what, the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month is the uh, purpose behind November eleventh. And if you work for the government, you get today off, but not at American Experiment, right? We work harder, twice as hard, I think. Low bar. <laughs> well, Jenna, you wrote this uh, this article here. Um, I read it physically. Bill printed this out. This is like the most boomer thing I've done in a while. I physically got a printout <laughs> of this online article um, to take my highlighter to. But it's really awesome. You wrote about... Um, Basically, uh, the fading away of VFWs and American Legion clubs. So I have a quote that we pulled out here. There are simply fewer active duty military personnel and veterans, a troubling statistic for organizations that rely on these pools of people for membership and participation. Um, What inspired you to write this piece? So, well, I mean, naturally, you know, Veterans Day, you know, in November is always sort of top of mind. I'm a, a veteran. My husband is. Um, we have many veterans in our family, which is in itself, I think, pretty interesting um, when you think about how the military has touched different lives in America throughout the decades. Uh, it's turning into more of a closed society, I guess, I don't, a, a club. Um, you know, if you don't, most people don't have contact with people in the military. So. Mm-hmm. Um, my my grandfather served in World War II in the Pacific, and he passed away 20 years ago last month. And so I, I remember he would take us to the Legion Post near our house. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandma would get liver and onions. A lot of old people there. You know, it's just typical. You know, nothing fancy, very humble. Um, and it, liver. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of brought got me thinking about where our Legion post is, where our VFW is near our house, and, you know, it's back behind a tiny strip mall. You know, no one ever sees it. It doesn't have a prominent place. So my husband and I went over there and kind of checked it out. You know, very quiet, uh, not very many people there. And just think about the number of veterans, especially the World War II generation, um, you know, passing away and with it, you know, uh, draft military, um, you know, and it's all volunteer force now. And, and uh, so it's just a smaller cadre, smaller Well, you club, know, one of the so. points, Jenny, you make in your mm-hmm. piece is there are nowhere near as many people serving in the military as there used to be mm-hmm. at the end of World War II. We had, what, 12 million service members active at that moment. Mm-hmm. And today we've got, what, 10% of that, 1.2 million or something. And, of course, I never really thought about this in, in, the, in those terms. But the ob- obvious consequence is we simply don't have the number of veterans 
that we once did because we don't have that number of people serving, serving in the military. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up, uh, I'm older than you two by quite a bit, but when I was growing up, every man um, in my hometown had served in World War II. Now, if you were 70 years old, you hadn't, you know, but I mean, uh, the people my father's age, you know, mm-hmm. every one of them served in World War II. And you could talk about whether they were in the Army or the Navy, you know, a handful like you, Jenna, were in the Marines, you know, not a lot of Coast Guard members in South Dakota, but everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody had served in World It was a universal experience. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and as you point out in your piece, I mean, that's so different. Uh, from what we have today. Yeah, it, it's, it's you know, I was thinking about if you go out to eat, you know, maybe uh, f- decades before you could sit down, chances are that someone there uh, or many people had served in the military in some capacity. Now, chances, you know, it's more likely that no one has uh, or has someone in their family even has served. So I think the people are, are becoming very much... Um, disconnected from what it means to serve in the military, what, what that looks like, you know, for military families, uh, benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, you go into the VA, you know, my husband and I, we go there, you know, once every six weeks or so. And, uh, you know, it's, it's changing demographics. Even when we first started going, you see a lot of, you know, see a few World War II campaign, uh, people wearing their medals or, or, you know, uh, logos. And then, you know, then Korea, that's all sort of in the same, uh, time frame, uh, and then Vietnam, and now you're getting down to, you know, Gulf War. So it's, it's a much uh, Jenna, smaller... Jenna, you, you were an officer in the Marine Corps, right? Yes, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I was in, in Quantico, which is also where the FBI Academy is, too, so... All you Silence of the Lambs fans out there. And <laughs> I'd be, uh, I'd be curious to know, to hear you talk about, mm-hmm. Jenna, how your service has impacted your philosophy, politically at all, um, or, you know, being here at a conservative organization, how those things impacted each other. Because as we talked about, I think this phenomenon of being more distant from people now who may have served may, you know, the, the two people in my family who are veterans have died. And I think about the people, you know, my nieces and nephews, who are they going to know that, that served? It's becoming more distant. And I think that has definitely had an impact on some of the political trends we're seeing in terms of taking things for granted that um, come to you in this country if you're born here. Um, I don't know. So how did that impact you uh, personally? Sure. So, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it before that I came from a long line of, of people who served, many people in my family, and, um, and I think that's true a lot of people that serve today. You know, they usually know someone or, or have a lineage to it, especially in the academies. Um, but for me personally, we fly a flag outside our house every single day. Uh, and I think if you go to different n- neighborhoods around, I would say most people that fly the American flag in front of their house are going to be conservative. You know, it was just something that was automatic. And my family growing up, for, for us, you know, what I'm teaching my kids, um, and what, you know, you take an oath to the Constitution, and you really get a bearing of what that means at a more visceral level. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when, when your mm-hmm. life is on the line, you know, I, I was never going to be in infantry, but, you know, you, it just, it, it brings a whole deeper meaning of of standing on the shoulders of people that came before you, you know, what, what people uh, sacrificed in World War II, you know, in Korea, in, in Vietnam, you know, whether you agree with those policies or not. But, um, you know, it's interesting, too, if you, if you look at the the 
things that the VFW and the Legion stand behind. I think immigration is one of those things that they are calling for immigration reform, you know, protecting our borders. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a big, um, big thing, I think, just about what, what it means to be an American. Uh, so, Jennifer, so, you know, you, in, in, your, in your article in The Spectator, you, you went to the local VFW Post and mm-hmm. talked to some people. They're very interesting. I really commend that article to people listening to this podcast. But what does the future hold for organizations like the VFW and the American Legion? I mean, when I was a kid, a huge percentage of American men particularly belonged to one or the other of those organizations. My father uh, was a member of the American Legion, and they have a magazine that came to our mm-hmm. house every, I think, every month, you know. But what, what does the future hold for those organizations as the number of veterans uh, inevitably uh, continues to dwindle? Well, they do have you know, membership drives, and they try to um, capture people that come back from, um, you know, different, uh, um, you know, when you when you go overseas or you know, you're coming back, you're switching duty stations. Um, hey, we're out here. We're here to support you. We can explain, VA, you know, benefits to you. So I think a lot of times, um, you know, a smaller legion or VFW. Um, membership uh means is well first and foremost i think it it impacts the support that veterans get Uh, a place where they can go where they have a sort of a built-in family i think a lot of people this goes back to what Catherine was saying about kind of that disconnect and you're used to a very rigid and standard way of life things are told to you uh everything's scheduled it's it's much different than when you re-enters the civilian world and everything is just completely different and you don't recognize uh it's just a different way of life to get used to so to have to walk into an organization or or a place where everyone has that common experience uh is is comforting in a way um so i think when people you know to, to go back to what you were saying john um when, when veterans organizations like the Legion and the VFW, you know, lose members, I think it, it loses their their ability to keep going with outreach for veterans coming home too. So, um, and also I think just the face that they have in the community. You know, they do. I mentioned the American Legion baseball or parades. You know, <laughs> that might be the only exposure that young people have to veterans at all. So, um, you know, to pass down what it means to be in the military uh, today or decades ago, uh, I think is, is an important thing for young people to, to learn about, um, especially if they don't have family members to teach them themselves. So Yeah. And uh, last thing on this, Jenna, you tweeted something today that I want to ask you about. It says, happy birthday, Marines, Semper Fi since 1775. Don't worry, we'll save some crayons for the rest of you. Okay. Yes. Crayons? Can you explain crayons? Yeah, so um, for those, the military, we, we like to poke fun at each other, the different branches. So there's sort of, you know, some, uh, so I, I'm married to a Coast Guard veteran, and mm-hmm. I very jokingly refer to him as a puddle pirate every once in a while. <laughs> Um, and, and 
<laughs> he laughs, you know, and he was enlisted. I'm an officer, so he mm-hmm. tells, well, I work for a living, and, you know, these. So, and, and so Marines, um, for some reason, I have no idea why, are perceived, very big misconception, that we're <laughs> dim. Um, you know, we are empty-headed. We're just, um, you know, bullet fodder. Uh, that kind of thing. So crayon eaters is sort of crayon referencing uh, for some reason that we're not as smart as people in the other branches, even though we're obviously not. I okay, mean, that uh, explains so yes. that explains a lot. So um, the Air Force is a chair force. You know, you have your squids <laughs> in the Navy. I can go on if you want me to. We get some angry comments. Well, that's all I- in good fun, and it's all it's all very. <laughs> Uh, it's terms of endearment. That so. completely explains why the production team here on the American Experiment podcast told me that they had a snack for you oh. that they wanted me to give you. Um, I got a twelve pack of twelve pack of crayons right I here. Pre- for oh, you to take oh home. the variety uh, pack. Yes, all different My flavors. Favorite. Yes. <laughs> And I will, a good dessert for Tom, after Tom. the MRE that I have at lunch. I love it. Thank you. Shout out to... Happy Veterans Day. Uh, yes. General. And, and uh, 248 uh, years strong um, for the Marine Corps. So, hoorah. That's awesome. Well, our second topic for today is uh, we have a golden turkey update. So uh, Northern Lights Express was neck and neck with the state office building, as you heard Bill and Bill talk about on our last episode. But uh, the Northern Lights Express has fallen behind because breaking news for the first time in the uh, in the whole time we've done the Golden Turkey, a couple of years now, the cost of a nominee has actually gone up while the vote is open. So the building is now projected to be $729 million, um, getting a little bit ridiculous. So it has pulled ahead in our polls. Uh, is this John? Like a conspiracy theory, though? Maybe they did this on purpose because they wanted to win. They're, they're the trying to win the Golden yeah. Turkey. Yeah. The competition is tough. <laughs> The squirrels come out for the squirrels, people. They are not. I don't know. I keep promoting the squirrels on the radio and so forth. Uh, I voted for the flag squirrels, but but right now the flag squirrels are in fourth place with only seven percent. It's probably because we're not spending as much money on the flying squirrels. If we were spending seven hundred twenty nine mm-hmm. million dollars on flying squirrel research, that would definitely be in first mm-hmm. place. I think. But 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 we're, it's not the dollar amount right. that's the point of the golden turkey. It's it's the it's the wasteful spending that best exemplifies the contempt that politicians have for our money, and sometimes that is measured in hundreds of thousands, not you know hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Now that said, I gotta say this is unbelievable to me: seven hundred and twenty-nine million dollars to renovate the state office building, which mostly houses the the house of representatives you know it's called the state office building there's a senate building houses the senate the state office building mostly houses the the house of representatives and their staffs and then there's some other some other officers officers there as well but 729 million dollars they renovated the whole state capitol just a few years ago for 279 million this is a building that already exists and they're renovating it and they're adding a wing for 729 million you know it wasn't that many years ago i forget who it was but it was a member of the senate who famously said a billion here, a billion there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money. 
that went down in history, right? It wasn't that many years ago that at the federal level, people were saying, holy mackerel, they, you know, a billion dollars, that's nothing around here. Well, you could start saying that at the state level now in Minnesota. I mean, our legislature is currently spending about $36 billion a year. They have no idea where that money is going. They have no idea whether those programs are doing any good. I mean, a billion here, a billion there. And now we're, and now we're, we're approaching a billion dollars to renovate this one building. I mean, it is complete madness. And by the way, by the way, Bill Glahn and our <laughs> staff wrote about this at uh, AmericanExperiment.org. And he discovered something in the plans that no one else has talked about. So this building, they're renovating it, they say, in large part to provide better security because it's a dangerous neighborhood. Well, it's dangerous for everybody, not just legislators. And some people would say, yeah, that, that's because St. Paul doesn't enforce the laws, you know. So, mm-hmm. so we have legislators being carjacked and things like that. So they're turning this thing into a, this building into a, into a fortress. But what Bill Glott discovered in the plans is that they're putting in a balcony. They're putting in a balcony that is not going to be open to the public, but this is going to be for the use of the House Majority Leadership. So the DFL currently, DFL Speaker of the House, DFL Majority Leader, they will have this balcony that they can walk out on at the top of this fortress and survey the peons <laughs> on the street below. And I'm looking at the I'm looking at this drawing. And by the way, it's this world famous architect firm that is designing this building. Their address is One Park Avenue in New York City. And they have designed all these famous skyscrapers and they designed buildings at Harvard and Yale and all this kind of stuff, you know, around the world. Well, we've brought them to St. Paul, Minnesota to design the $729 million state office building replete with the balcony from which the speaker and majority leader can survey the ground below. And you know what it reminded me of Hmm. when I saw it on the the drawing? Hmm. You've been to Buckingham Palace, right? I was just going to say, they have the... Are they going to ready their waves? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. you know the famous balcony at Buckingham Palace yeah. where the royal family will come out on state occasions and wave to the adoring multitude yeah. below. That is what this balcony looks like, and I think that's pretty much what these politicians have in mind. I think they have completely lost track of their rightful role in a democracy. Or they can they can light light their cigars with our dollar bills and just use them as like light up. Yeah, I was going to say it's really it's like giving Hunger Games to me. Have you seen oh. Hunger Games? It's like cuz if you've been to St. Paul too, I'm sorry, I'm going to make the guy behind the camera mad, but that city that city needs help. What are they doing? If you live in St. Paul, I would be so angry. What are you doing with my tax money? This place is run down. Every other shop is just uh, vacant. And now they're going to have this beautiful building to look down on the, the vast the wasteland. Terrible. Yeah, it's no, just, it's, it's brutal. Or, well, or they say they got to spend young. all this money for better security for the state office building. Well, I understand the need for security. But the problem is all the people that live around there, that work around there, that pass through there, they need security too. And instead of turning yeah. the state office building into a fortress, which the public is not allowed to enter, how about if we use some of that money and actually enforce the laws and protect not just legislators and staffers, but the rest of the public? And like fill the potholes and stuff, you know? 
Oh, they raise taxes. Just some basic things. Yeah. All right. The last one is another little bit of um, state news. We got the new uh, Minnesota state flag designs. And if you didn't hear, um, the Minnesota state flag, if you even can imagine what that looks like, is um, uh, racist. It's been deemed. And there's a, a Native American on a horse riding behind a farmer plowing in a field. Got um, the land of lakes. Uh, exactly. That's Native a great American, point. Yeah. Land of lakes reference. I mean, yeah, so we should just erase that uh, that, that seal from the flag. I, I don't know. But the, uh, the submissions are open to the public for what it should look like and i think we've got a couple we can well, look at well they've gotten here. hundreds of them there's a there's a web page you can go I and see i think it was see. 2000 plus was the uh is so, that right? yeah, yeah. God, so, so everybody bad. is sitting down and designing a flag most of them to me look more like logos you know they're they're kind of pretty geometric yeah. designs with a loon stuck in the middle right. or something but they're not really what i think of as a state flag design but we're going to we're going we're to see a few of them here okay so this is the og right that is the existing Minnesota seal or flag. That's, I guess the state seal is in the middle of a like blue. That's like more intricate than I was imagining. It's very that's intricate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, the infamous lab. I did see Labrador this. retriever. Uh, that's nice. I don't mind this submission. Um, I'd fly that outside my house. I think it's nice. Oh, you can't be serious. <laughs> did you see the others? Oh, I don't know. I think in the, what is that? Oh, I might need did like Bill, a did did definition. Bill Walsh. Uh, is that a curling uh, stone? Is that what we're seeing? Here? Oh, it's a curling reference. Uh, it's too obscure. Yeah, I didn't know. Bag. <laughs> you get, I you, know. If you can have a sports reference, it's got to be a major sport. <laughs> Why do you get that big? B a g? I have no idea. Ah, a see, this one's hurt. a joke. Okay, there were several like this, you know, featuring mosquitoes and whatnot. You know, pandering to the myth that we have a lot of mosquitoes here. Myth? What in the world? Wait, what? I like. I don't know if, if we have. Well, a oh, hold on. Of it, Explain yourself. Wait. How is that a myth? We don't have a lot of mosquitoes here. Positive thinking, Catherine. Positive thinking. We're not not if you this don't time think of year. They we exist. Don't. They won't exist. It's they only. It's only. Something I didn't know. It's only There's during a, a brief interlude when when mosquitoes exist in Minnesota. They should not be on the state flag. Right, a brief interlude fair. called that's summer. Fair. Yes. That's oh. Okay. Oh, is this for like, like the new legalization of the? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Wow. This is their representation. Know. This is what they gave to so, the... So uh, they've drawn a face on the state, and it looks like the face is high. Is that it? And then they've got the <laughs> colors, like psychedelic background. I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's a new wave. Pass. All right, last one. Ah. Uh, got, got to blow that up. Oh, I got to need a zoom. You got the hammer and sickle there. Oh. The social state of Minnesota. There you go. Nice. Well, that has the, the virtue of accuracy. Mm-hmm. Even the ones I saw that were, you know, I, I think like genuine submissions, they all just remind me of it, all of these logo rebrands that everyone does. Every major company now, Lando Lakes, what a perfect example. They've rebranded um, and they've taken away any anything. Not only have they taken away any kind of historical significance, Lando Lakes, uh, I think it was Aunt Jemima, is that the other one? Um, any of their, their ties historically um, to this brand and any significance that the brand had in culture, they've made their logos just uglier, plainer, uglier, modern, worse. I saw someone pointed out on Twitter the other day, like the old Dutch 
potato chips have stood strong. They have this like beautiful intricate logo of a kind of windmill thing, and it's really nice. And so I think we should support the traditional good chips too. Traditional logos of the past. I don't know. This is that was the same thing to me. It's all these no, geometric shapes. And yeah, it's just the homogenization. It's like uh, you hardly see the old school McDonald's anymore with the red roofs. They all look like just. Did you see ugly. what they did to the Dinky Town McDonald's? It's terrible. It's terrible. I no. think they In should put. I think they should put like Tim Waltz's head on there with with the Mickey Mouse ears, so that everyone, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, saying, "Who is that guy?" Like, That's the guy responsible for like being all this monkey business, redesigning <laughs> things, and saying everything is racist. That's him right there, yeah. Tim Waltz. So he can go down in history and remember him for all the awful things that he's done to the state. I like that. You should submit that as a. Is the period over? Clown nose? I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Not bad. Um, well, that's all I got for today. I mean, I think, uh, let's see. What do we have coming up, Catherine? Anything oh. at the center? That, always, uh, always a lot coming up. Happenings. And if you want to get more involved in what we're doing, we have uh, our best party of the year, probably. It yes. started out as the, as the YLC holiday party, our Young Leaders Council. Um, this is our group for people 39 and under in Minnesota. Conservatives, you need a place to go when you get off work at your corporate woke job. You can come and hang out and have a drink with some people where you don't have to have a filter on necessarily all the time and you can um, meet some people that are, are like you it's really fun and, and we've kind of turned this into a family party now um the holiday party uh and it's awesome so go to our website americanexperiment.org events um you can sign up there and get in now there's an early bird special it's also give to the max day next week on thursday which means um it's our biggest fundraising day of the year here at american experiment we have a sixty thousand dollar match so up until sixty thousand dollars your donation will be doubled which is awesome so this is the best possible time to donate if you're planning on doing so and the donations are what keeps the lights on here and what keeps a conservative force here in minnesota um not all is lost that is for sure and we are happy to be here but we need your help to do it so um head over to our website there and you'll see um the link to our give to the max page anything else that's it signing off happy weekend everyone thank you <laughs>